welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I spoke to the excellent Michelle Dempsey. You might follow her on Instagram. She's got quite a lot of followers over there. She's the best selling author of The Mums Moving On, um, and she's a certified divorce and co parenting specialist. We had a great chat. She's so motivated and motivational, and she shares great videos on Instagram, which is where I first found her about divorce and her divorce experience and also her experience. Of being a single mum and then going on to help others and write a book. Um, so very inspirational lady and really great to chat to her. And it made me think I need to up my Instagram game <laughs> on the divorce chat. Um, so let, let me know if you want some more divorce chat from me on Instagram or if like videos of my clothes are fine. Uh, enjoy this one. I am joined by Michelle Dempsey-Multak, author and certified divorce and co-parenting specialist and coach. Welcome to The Divorce Social. My God, that was so enthusiastic. Thank you. Especially because I'm British, so we don't get that enthusiastic that often. Yeah, but just that intro with the British accent (laughs) is probably how I'd want to be woken up every day. Like there was just such vibrance. Good. I'm I'm very happy to record that for you and send it to you just so you can play it as sort of your alarm. All right. This is a win. So how do you feel when I say I've welcomed you to the divorce social? I mean, I feel like I've reached the height of my life. Like this is it. This is <laughs> this is all that I've worked for. We're here now. And, you know, it's just all downhill from here. Sure. I mean, it's exactly how I feel too when I say your name out loud. I'm glad we're on the same page. Okay, good. Um, but how does that word divorce feel to you? Cause it's quite a big part of your life even now. Yes. It's a, it's been my whole life, to be honest. My parents got separated when I was eight years old in like a quick and unhealthy and toxic way. Um, 
not my mom's fault. I'll just say that. And their divorce was finalized when I was 18. So like my entire existence from like the age where I started forming like actual memories, because who remembers things before they're eight years old, until I graduated high school, my life like was basically just dictated by the um, volatility of my parents' divorce. And so I entered adulthood like, I don't know, kind of a hot mess for lack of a better term. I hadn't you know, I wasn't growing up in the age where our parents were like rushing us off to therapy. Um, the mindset, at least in my family was, you know, we don't talk about Bruno, like sweep it under the rug. Uh, you're, you're fine. You're healthy. Like you're doing well in school. You must be great. And I actually asked my mom recently, like, ma, why didn't you take me to a therapist? And she's like, well, you seem so happy. And I'm thinking like, that was my people pleasing tendencies and my parentification. And, all of that. So I entered adulthood with no, um, without a relationship with my father. He, you know, abandonment, neglect around the age of 11. And um, just a really unhealthy view on what relationships should be. I definitely had an anxious attachment personality uh, in relationships. I jumped from one unhealthy relationship to the next. And then I ended up marrying my daughter's father, who is a wonderful human, but everything wrong for me. So I didn't, I didn't care to notice that because it was like, Hey, nice man wants to marry me. Like, that's good. But I do believe that relationships either bring out the best or worst in you. And he was like a mirror for me for all of my unhealed stuff and all of my issues. So the answer to your question is divorce was actually a blessing for me. And that's exactly what I help women try and see and understand every single day, all day with my practice, um, that while it's a shitty thing to have to go through, it is absolutely life-changing if you shift your perspective a little bit. Definitely. And I think that's what's come up in this podcast, because obviously I'm not in any way a divorce coach. I'm just a lady who got divorced one time <laughs> and likes to talk about it. Um, but it, it's nice to talk to um you know, people who've been through it like yourself, but also who then have this backing of like knowledge and coaching and identifying all these kind of repeat patterns. But I just want to go back for a second to that 10 years where your parents were getting divorced. Um, and you said it was it's sort of messy. You came into adulthood in, in a messy way, but how was it for you as a child day to day? Like, were you surrounded by other children who had divorced parents? No, I grew up in a, um, you know, upper middle class, Irish Catholic town. I'm a Middle Eastern Jew. So, you know, it just, I didn't fit in to begin with. But um, it, I remember very clearly, my mom, in the conversation where, you know, we're getting divorced, your dad's going to live in a different house, it was also and you're not to tell any of your friends. And so right off the bat, I'm like, oh, okay, so divorce is bad. I can't talk about it. My very best friend, since I'm three years old, who I'm still best friends with today, we were once in the bathroom at school. And I'm like, I was a nervous wreck. My anxiety started almost immediately. I always had a stomachache. I always had a headache. Like I was constantly going to the nurse. I thought I was sick, but it was really just my anxiety. I remember her coming to the bathroom with me one day because I didn't feel good. And I'm like, I have to tell you something. And so I told her, I'm like, my mom and dad are getting a divorce and my dad has this girlfriend. And she was like, oh, I know my parents talk about it all the time. And that was the only time where I felt sort of like safe and like, but I did not have friends whose parents were divorced. I always, and still to this day, have what I call um, daddy envy. Like 
have so many friends with such great dads and I'm like so jealous of their relationship. I'm not able to watch a daddy daughter dance at a wedding, like a father daughter dance. Can't do it. Got to leave the room. My husband already knows like I'll be in the bathroom. It's very hurtful for me, but, um, I, I sort of lived this existence by myself and that was hard too, you know? And so part of my other passion now is helping people find community and helping normalize divorce, not just for women our age, but for the children too. The day my daughter came home from school and was like, did you know so-and-so has a mommy's house and a daddy's house too? And she was like so proud. And now that she's in first grade, there's like six kids in her class who are in co-parented homes. So We've normalized that for her. And I think that that's what needs to happen across the board. As The more we normalize the fact that divorce happens over 50% of the time now, there are millions of co-parented kids on this planet. Like it's time for everybody to like take that, that like gray cloud out of it, you know? Yeah, definitely. I can't imagine what that must've been like for you as a child, not being able to tell anyone, like feeling like you're holding this secret for your whole family. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And my mom is amazing. And she is like quite literally the Phoenix that rose from the ashes. She was an immigrant to the U S did not have a support system in the U S was left high and dry with this like horrible situation and really battled it like a champ. But I was her best friend. And like, I was around her and her divorced friends a lot. And like, you know, hearing things I probably shouldn't have heard and forming these opinions of men and the world. And then I had a dad who didn't really want anything to do with me. So yeah, it wasn't easy, but it definitely shaped who I am today. And so I can't say that that's all bad, you know? Definitely. So then fast forward to uh, you're with this lovely human, as you said, but not the right human for you right? in a relationship. When that divorce decision was made, was that hugely triggering for you in your childhood or was it, or did it feel like a separate thing? It felt separate. It kind of felt like if I learned anything in my childhood, it was that I couldn't let my daughter see me in the way I would have been in the marriage. Like I had to be alone to get healthy, to figure myself out, to be a shining example of strength and empowerment for my daughter, um, which I'm still working on. (laughs) But for me, like I left the, the marriage with this deep sense of knowing that like, I can do this. I've done harder things than this. Like I fried bigger fish what was really humbling was learning to co-parent. I never really thought about how hard that would be with all of the fears I had in my head of like my daughter reliving what I had to live. And it took a while for me to separate the two and realize that like my dad's got a daughter who loves her. He's always going to choose her first. So her issues are not my issues. And, and so that was work I had to do on myself to separate the two. I love that you said you want to be a shining example of empowerment for your daughter. Is that quite a lot of responsibility <laughs> to live up to? <laughs> you know, you, you realize, like, you think you have to do all these big, wonderful things for your kids to feel empowered. It's so amazing. Like, you'll, I'll have these moments with my daughter where she'll be like, you know, she'll be like looking at herself in the mirror. And I'm like, what's going on over there? And she's like, 
my legs are strong, just like yours. And I'm like, you know, here I am trying to use all the right like words to make her feel empowered about herself and validate her choices and her emotions. And she's just like, you know, got this image of her body now that it has to be because I don't talk about weight. That's a trigger for me that she has to be strong and nothing else. And so like these little things that we do, but we don't like put an emphasis on are really what rub off on them. And, and I feel like I'm probably 70% doing it right. And I think that's enough. I think, you know, we have to give ourselves a little grace and compassion to not be like perfect moms all the time because single parenting is hard enough. Um, and you know, if you lead by example and just being a kind human and an honest human, I think that's enough for our kids truly. Well, that sounds good. I don't have um, children, but I have a dog who I treat like a princess child. And I realize having a pet is not the same as raising a human. But listen, regardless if it's it's canine or human, you don't want to talk bad about your ex in front of the dog either. Okay. It's, It's very important. We don't talk badly about our exes in front of the kids, the pets, the neighbors, nobody. Well, actually, my dog never met my ex. But my oh, cat what a did, and I, oh. yeah. and so I feel. So your cat's in therapy. Yeah, she's uh-huh. she's called Queen Victoria, and she's having a whole. You know, she had she had a period of mourning, definitely. Um, but she she's doing well, and we're getting through it together. Oh, I'm um, so happy to hear it. Thank you. So just just to go back to that divorce decision. How did you feel in the aftermath of that before we kind of go into the co-parenting, if we just focus on the divorce? Was it because you said you knew you could deal with it? Did you feel like you knew you could deal with it straight away or did you have that period of just ah, like I did? <laughs> I I wrote in my book about having this like, I don't know, um, inflated sense of like self-assurance. Like it was like this rush of adrenaline and then not a week later from my ex moving out, my daughter and I like wake up like throwing up and with fevers and the flu. And my mom had just left like to leave out of the country for a trip. And we're like by ourselves. And I was truly humbled and brought to my knees like, okay, bitch, maybe you don't have this in the bag. You know, (laughs) like it was so hard. And it required me like asking for help, which is really hard for me to do. And I realized in this moment, like, okay, if I am going to be able to do this, I need to be able to ask for help. And two of the moments I remember very clearly were when I was like, I didn't want to ask any of my friends because I like didn't want to put them out. I'm always doing things for other people. And, I'm, you know, my daughter's sitting there dehydrated and I can't get to Target. And I'm like, I guess I'll just pay the $30 delivery fee for like, you know, DoorDash or whoever brought over my Pedialyte. And that's when I was like, all right, I can't be too proud anymore. And I have to ask for help. And if I'm going to survive this, like I can't try and do this all by myself. And so of course I had those moments where I was like, whoa, like this is not easy, you know, wanting to take a shower, but I have to wait till my daughter's asleep or wanting to go food shopping by myself, but there's nobody there to help me watch Bella and she's two and we'll have 17 tantrums in one grocery aisle alone, you know? So like there were moments like that where I was like, what, this is humbling. But, um, I wrote about in my book, just really getting comfortable being uncomfortable, even that if that means asking for help 
um, asking, you know, I had to write into my mom friend chat one day, like, can anyone's husband please come over and help me set up this TV? Because apparently you don't just plug it in and start watching TV. Like, I didn't know that, you know, like I, there were so many things and I'm so grateful that I put my pride aside a little bit because I'm a very much like type A, I'll do it myself kind of person. So yeah, of course. I mean, I was brought to my knees many times. I can so relate to that, like asking for help, because I think, especially with like DIY stuff. And now I found out I'm kind of good at DIY, but because my ex did it all, mm-hmm. there was one moment that I remember where I had a chest of drawers and I needed to get it downstairs to like take it out to be thrown away because it's really old. And um, it wouldn't go down the stairs. So then I had to take it apart myself and I could not get it taken apart. My sister was with me and she was like, maybe we should, you know, wait and just get someone else to do it. And I was like, no, I'm doing it. And I ended up in tears over these pieces of wood because I was like, no, I could achieve this without my ex. No, I have a, a story. So I went through this phase. I don't know if you went through this, but after my ex moved out, I was like, I'm going to redecorate and I'm going to make everything like mine. And I went and ordered this like God awful, like gaudy, like blue velvet couch. I had to have it partly because like nobody could tell me not to order it. And also because I don't know, it was like those weird things you buy when you're down and out. Um, and it got delivered from like some off market delivery thing. And I didn't know that because it was just like a discount retailer, they don't come in and set it up for you. Like had I ordered from a, so this like giant oversized couch is sitting on my porch, like just sitting there. And I live in Florida and it rains all the time. And I'm like, well, fuck. So no, I did not ask for help. If you're wondering, (laughs) I myself, like, I wish I had video footage of this. I got that. It didn't fit through my door. I got that couch in my house and I set it up myself. My body was ravaged for days. I like pushed it through my garage and then up a flight of stairs. Like I was so determined. And then I just sat there on the couch and cried. Like, what the hell is wrong with me? Yeah. I still have the couch. <laughs> it sounds I can't bring- great. You're like it's blue awful. velvet. I feel like I had that on like my Pinterest board. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get a blue velvet couch. But it did, it's not, it did not. So I, I didn't have a lot of money and I, I had to get like the one that was supposed to look like the nice blue yeah. one on Pinterest, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, um, have mentioned before on my podcast, I painted my kitchen pink as there like a, I am woman owning yeah, it's this like house. a proverbial, like <laughs> fuck you to the man. I know I yeah. did all of those things. I hear you. <laughs> um, but no, I think asking for help is such an important lesson and you get to the stage where you're like cried over wood and, and velvet and you're like, maybe I can ask for help and that's okay. <laughs> and that's okay. So moving into the kind of co-parent, so you, so you made the divorce decision, your ex moved out, you bought a blue velvet couch, discount mm-hmm. couch, you were like redecorating. Mm-hmm. What was, what was the next step? for you? Was it a quick kind of legal process or was it drawn out like your mom's divorce? No, it, well, it was not drawn out like that. Thank God. It was a rather painless. Um, I didn't file for divorce right away. I waited a couple of months. I wanted everyone to sort of like ease into this new reality. It was important for me to like establish a co-parenting relationship with my daughter's father before we were in like the uncomfortable divorce process, because that can sometimes turn good people bad. 
Um, and so I waited and, you know, we were clear on the fact that like 50, 50 was important to us. 50, 50 co-parenting because we didn't get divorced to like keep one another from Bella's life. So that wasn't a fight to be had. You know, most of my clients are fighting over custody and I'm just so grateful we didn't have to fight over that. Um, we didn't have any money, so there was nothing to fight over there. So it was basically a year from the time I filed until the divorce was final. It was actually final on my late stepdad's birthday. And so I truly believe he had a hand in that um, as a former divorce attorney. So that's <laughs> yeah, he was just a, seeing it through. Yeah, that's just a random aside. But um, it was, you know, for me... I think I entered the divorce arena knowing exactly what not to do in terms of co-parenting, you know, because of how I had to learn the hard way. Um, I am not a fighter. I am not a litigious person. I did not want to like, you know, I had a few lawyers that I interviewed that were like, we're going to take him for all he has. I'm like, no, we're not. Like, what good is that? That's like the worst. That's the, the number one red flag for me with attorneys, by the way. I'm like, no, like, we are just two people that like need to separate on paper. Like, how can we do this the easiest way possible? So it was not bad. Do you have any tips for people kind of in that process? Because you said like a lot of your clients are kind of dealing with custody battles and fights. Do you, And you said you knew going into it what you didn't want it to be. So were there any things that you were super clear on that you think other people would find useful? I think the most important thing. If, you know, the divorce process is going to be hard. It's going to bring up emotions. It's going to feel unfair. You're going to be like, well, why do I have to share my child? That's not natural. Well, that's part of divorce. Um, you have to realize that like your children didn't ask for this and they do deserve to be put in the center of the decision-making, not kept in the middle. And what that means is putting a child in the middle is literally like one First parent pulling one arm and one parent pulling the other. We don't want to do that. We want to make decision, decisions where they're at the center of our decision-making process. Oh, yeah, you think you're going to get Christmas Eve every year? Well, no, because that's not fair for me. Oh, but wait, Charlie loves Christmas Eve with his grandparents who come to visit from California. I don't want to take that from him. You can have Christmas Eve every year or whatever it is. You know what? Put thinking from through the eyes of the child in the divorce making in the in the divorce process is so important, but it's unfortunate because we have to enter the divorce battle, the legal proceedings at our most emotional and triggered time. So my advice to that is always like take a few days in between the decision you're asked to make and your answer. If you give it a few days, you'll be able to make more logical decisions and see what's best for your children. That's definitely something I learned during the divorce process is when you get that email that says that they want this or whatever, sleep on it. Don't reply straight away. <laughs> Biggest mistake I've made, like hands down was like, um, I have an image of myself. I was like driving along a main road and I saw an email pop up from my lawyer and I was so determined to like squat, like whack that problem and get it out of the way. I literally pulled over on the side of the road and fired back some like ridiculous, who knows? I don't even know what the problem was at that point. But I, in that moment, I made a poor decision for my parenting plan that now I can't undo, you know? So these decisions that you make in your divorce process are not just for the here and now. They're for the entirety of your children's lives if you have children. And um, the more emotional 
you make the divorce process, the harder your post-divorce life will be. Yeah, that's so true. And it is, you're making it at your rawest time. And it's so, I can so relate to that because it's very hard to separate the emotions from the kind of admin that is the legal process of getting divorced. And someone said to me on the podcast, you know, getting divorced is a business deal. And I think actually that mindset is so useful of like, this isn't about me as a human, extricate all of that. This is just, yeah, pieces of paper, a business deal. Well, and it's a business deal in two ways. It's a business deal for you and your soon-to-be ex-spouse, and it's also a business for your attorneys. So you have to be really clear on what you're willing to fight over and what you're just going to like pick your battles on because if your lawyer is antagonistic enough, you're going to be fighting over all sorts of shit you didn't even think you cared about And that's not fair either. So just remember, it's a business all around. That's a great point. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's the ad break. Would you like some divorce social merchandise? Oh, yeah. Give me a divorce social tote bag. Give me a divorce social sticker and mug. All right, then. All you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S, that's my name, and you will get access to be able to join up to our Patreon. That supports the admin costs of the podcast. It also means you have access to merchandise and a 90s style chat room where we talk about divorce and heartbreak and 
overcoming it and being fierce, amazing humans. Don't forget to leave a review of the podcast as well and hit subscribe on all your podcast platforms. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we're on Instagram and Twitter at DivorcePod and I'm at Samantha Baines. Enjoy this advert because it makes me 2p every time you listen. 2p isn't maybe the real amount. I've made that up as an approximation, but thank you anyway. A fairly quick divorce proceedings for you of a year. Um, did you do anything to celebrate when you got your um, final you are divorced uh, message through? Of course, which was stupid because like, I felt like I did it because like, I had to, you know, it, and looking back, like, I truly wish it wasn't something I celebrated because it feels like, I don't know, self-serving at the time. Like I was truly happy already having made the decision to leave my marriage and work on myself. But yes, I went for Mexican food and margaritas. Like what else do you do? I put on like, I put on a pair of shoes. So everyone always asks like, what happens the day your divorce is final? And I wrote an article about it, I think for parents or scary mommy, I don't remember. But I'm like, well, if you're me, like I went to court, I got there at 830 in the morning for a 9am hearing for my final divorce judgment. I was by myself. I got my car, it was like 905. I'm divorced now. And I'm like, guess I'll go to the mall and buy some shoes I can't afford. So I bought two pairs of ridiculous shoes. And then I went with my friends for Mexican food like the next week to a restaurant that did not warrant these type of shoes, but I wore them anyway and I felt good and I drank too many margaritas. <laughs> I love it. That feeling is so true because I got my divorce because we didn't have to go to a court hearing, thank goodness. So I got my um, final divorce notice as an attachment to an email and the email just said like, please see attached. It wasn't like, congrats. <laughs> so then I just read the email and I was like, oh, what now? Because you've been driving towards this kind of goal for ages yeah. and yeah. so much, it feels like your whole life is moving towards it and then you get it. And mine was in lockdown um, in the UK. So I just put on sequins and makeup and like filmed some like party videos and put them online. There you go. Well, I think for me, having been a child of divorce, I knew that like, it's like getting married. It's just a piece of paper, right? It's all the work you have to do after that piece of paper. So that divorce being final, it was just, you know, a formality. I think I knew in my heart of hearts that like, I was still in some ways married to this person because we were going to be sharing a child together for the next 15 years. And, and so I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I always tell my clients, don't expect things to feel different or be different just because the process is final. That's like an internal thing. And I felt the way you're supposed to feel the day your divorce is final months before that, because I had finally entered the space of like acceptance and forgiveness and whatever. Um, and so, yeah, that, that moment, if you're living for that moment and, and with children, I should say, and expecting for your life to be different after that, you might be disappointed, you know, like it's just a piece of paper. Well, but I think even without children for myself, yeah, I think I'd had that moment where I felt divorced at a different time, just as you said, from actually getting the piece of paper. So it's more of a kind of energy, energy shift rather than someone's confirmed it in print. Right, exactly. It's totally an energy thing. 
I'm I'm interested that you said that you celebrated it, which seemed self-serving. I don't know. Like I didn't, cause I, I, I did it as something like, you know, people were like, Oh, we got to go out and celebrate. I didn't feel that for me, that this was something that warranted a celebration. Like I, I love that, you know, women always send me their pictures of how they're celebrating and their friends send them cakes. And I love that. Like, I love that type of, we got you girl, we're going to celebrate this hard thing. But for me in particular, I don't know. I think it was because something, it was something in my life. I never wanted to have to relive and I had to relive it, that it was just like, I don't know. I wish, I, I don't know. I, I don't think divorce celebrations are bad though. For me, I just felt like I did it because it was something I had to do. I guess the idea of celebrating the divorce being done, it doesn't feel great, but maybe the idea of celebrating the new chapter or yes, that part. the achievement of finishing all this stuff. That you know? part. For me, the real celebration was like moving into my own little townhouse with my daughter and you know, buying all the pink and gold and frou-frou stuff and my blue couch. And that for me was like, when I think of like the happiest parts of my divorce, it was that like having this space that was my own and making it my own and feeling the sense of freedom and strength. Like the day your divorce is final is, is kind of like a dismal day, even if you really wanted the divorce. Yeah. It's a very, it's a bit like, um, I don't know. So I did a degree at university and I know you guys graduate in the States from high school. And it's a bit like when you get like a piece of paper that says, you know, you've got your degree or whatever, it doesn't sort of feel as amazing as you thought it might feel. It, the, the experience of doing it is kind of more amazing than getting yeah, a piece of paper. Totally. I, you know, we, we, we feel this pressure to celebrate these milestones sometimes, even birthdays. Like, you know, I have friends who are like, I don't want to do anything for my birthday and I respect it. Like it's just a day for a lot of people. And then you feel this pressure to have to be like, I think it's, it's such a personal choice. Like if you want to celebrate, freaking do it. If you've come out of a horribly abusive and toxic relationship, yes, you deserve to celebrate because it's really hard to be able to pull yourself out of that. But for me, there were so many layers to like, you know, I was like, I, I'm happy on one hand I did this because I needed to, but on the other hand, like, wow, how I let history repeat itself, you know? Yeah. You know, so you said you moved into this townhouse with your daughter and you bought all these things. What did you do with the old things from your marriage? Because I ended up selling a lot of my old things, um, but I still have my engagement ring and I still have my wedding dress. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I did a whole podcast episode on what to do with the stuff because like, again, it's so different for everybody. Um, I gave my ring back to my daughter's father, not because like, you know, he was like banging down my door for it. It just kind of felt like the right thing to do. Um, my wedding dress I kept for a while until I'm remarried now. So when my daughter and I were moving out of the townhouse and into my new home with my husband and his daughter, that's when I like, you know, I let Bella see the dress and she put it on and she had a moment with it. And then I was like, you know, I gave it to, um, an organization, you know, or that collected wedding dresses for people in need. Um, what else? A lot of the furniture, like my ex and I split, he needed stuff for his new place. I needed stuff for mine. 
I kept all of the albums. I think that's something special for my daughter to have one day. You know, she was two when we separated and uh, she has no recollection of her dad and I being married. And now that she's seven and she asks questions, I want her to be able to see where she came from and that there was love once. So I, I kept that stuff. I'm sentimental like that. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't ever want to pretend that the relationship didn't exist for her sake. So I don't know. I hang on to things. <laughs> Do you still have things now that you bought with your ex during that marriage? My dining room table is still, but that was like something I inherited from my grandparents. It was like a family heirloom. So that's not going anywhere. Not really. No, I have, I have pictures of us with Bella as a baby in Bella's room. I think that's important too, but, but that's really it. I had my met our like mattress for a long time. And then when I moved, I loved it. I loved that mattress. It was really comfortable. I didn't have like an emotional attachment to it. It was just a great mattress. And then when I moved into my new house with my husband, he was like, can we get a fresh mattress? Like (laughs) one that you didn't like make your baby on, you know? So I was like, all right. So we got rid of the mattress. (laughs) (laughs) That's a funny one because I've been thinking about my mattress recently because I changed, I got a new bed frame quite early on in the like I'm living on my own but I kept the same mattress and I still have the same mattress now and I'm dating someone new who is sleeping on that mattress and it has made me think about it again I'm like oh should I get a new mattress like fresh start I don't know yeah I remember having this whole conversation with my husband now like I'm like well I was coming to your apartment all those years. And like other people had slept on that mattress. And he was like, actually, no, because he had just gotten his apartment. When I met him, he was in another place prior to that after his marriage has ended. And so I could not win that argument. But I love my mattress now in case anyone was wondering. It's a great mattress. I'm I'm, I'm glad you still got a good mattress (laughs) in the end. And it's interesting that you kept your wedding dress until your current marriage. So that's, that's a good excuse for me. I'm going to be like, I'm just going to keep it until I get married again and then get rid of it. We put so much emphasis on the dress, like for, for women getting married, at least for the first time, like we don't give a shit about anything except the dress, how we look in it, what it looks like, how it fits, you know, are we going to fit into it? How skinny can we get? Like, it's a big deal, that dress. It's not just, you know, I married somebody in it. It's like, this was what the whole wedding was centered around, you know? And so it's hard to just be like, okay, buy very expensive piece of fabric. You know, you, I don't know, you're going to put it in the trash. I don't, I love that. I'll tell you what I wish I did. Women do these like photo shoots where they like trash the dress or paint the dress. I saw one once where a mom had her little girl just like finger paint the dress while she was wearing it. Like that to me is really cute to keep it as some sort of keepsake. I didn't get to do that, but, um, I wanted to make sure like someone in need got the dress, but I think those things are cute. I just couldn't imagine like putting it in the trash. I don't think I could trash it because it's a really nice dress, my one, (laughs) but mine is made of lace. And I know a lot of people like dye them and then get them so they can wear them again. And that won't really work with the way mine's set up. But I like the idea of like splattering it with paint and creating some sort of artwork with it or something. That's a great idea. Well, mine was never, ever going to fit again. Like I remember trying to put it on that day that like I let my daughter see it. She was like, mommy, put it on. It like didn't go up over my hips. I was like, screw this. (laughs) Don't need a reminder. (laughs) No. uh -uh. Yeah. It's funny. I've not, I don't think I've tried mine on again. 
but I sort of went the other way because it's funny you said you know you don't mention things to do with weight because you find that triggering and and the whole wedding experience I feel for a woman is quite often centered around weight and are you going to lose weight for the dress and I feel like I like rebelled and sort of went the other way a bit and was like I'm not losing weight for just a wedding I did that for my second wedding and now I look at pictures and I'm like damn girl you could have maybe like gone to the gym or something (laughs) I got married to my current husband now I think 20 or 25 pounds heavier than my first wedding but there was a baby in between and I had also started to recover from an eating disorder. And so it was also symbolic of like my healing too. I wasn't going to put myself through the torture I put myself through for the first wedding. Yeah. And were there any other ways that you approached your second wedding differently based on your experience? I didn't fixate on the details. I remember my first wedding was like this big overblown production. And I was so worried about like, the flowers and the lighting and what song the band was going to play when. And for my second wedding, I knew that that was like, I don't know about you, but all I remember from my first wedding was like how cute my ex-husband looked under, you know, the chuppah, which is what we get married under and dancing with him. I didn't remember the details. And so for my second wedding, I didn't stress those things. It was kind of just like, you come in great. Like we're going to have a party. And, and it was very simple and not a fraction of, you know, what my first wedding was. And it just felt so true to who my husband and I are, which is like just down to earth, like happy to be together kind of people. Um, and so, yeah, it was very different in that regard. My dress was really simple. My hair and makeup was simple. The only thing we cared about was like having fun and having our girls be a part of the day. And and after that, it was just whatever. Yeah, it's so true because all I remember from I remember being really tired <laughs> at the end of the wedding because I was like, oh my God, this is taken it out of me. And I remember liking being in my dress. Yeah. My ex-husband looking cute and then just all my friends and just dancing with all my friends. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I do think I'd approach, if I got married again, I'd approach it, the wedding differently. I feel like I've got the big wedding out of my system now. And now I can just have a nice time. <laughs> right. Exactly. Was there anything else you learned during that healing process after the divorce to prepare you, obviously, for another marriage that sounds like it's healthier now? You know, we want to come out of our failed marriages and say, it was all your fault. You did this. This wasn't me. And I think what I learned is that no matter what happened in the marriage, even if it was the other person who did horrible things to us, which wasn't my case, thank God, but, you know, there is a reason why we stay in certain relationships and we play a role in all of our relationships. You know, in an abusive relationship, women will say, well, I didn't do anything. Of course you didn't. And you didn't do anything to deserve that kind of treatment, but you were there and let's see why you were there. And so I think there is something to be learned. And in my healing process, I learned all of the bullshit that I brought to my marriage that I definitely didn't need to bring into my next phase of my life. I mean, I learned that I do play a pivotal role in the negative things in my life that happened to me. And that's important to know. I mean, that level of self-awareness will take you very far and will bring a lot of peace and understanding to your future relationships. Were there practical things you did to learn that, like therapy or? Therapy, a lot of therapy, a lot of reading self-help, a lot of introspection, journaling, sort of thinking about, you know, my patterns up until that point. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was a 
girl who can never be alone. And as soon as my marriage was over, it was like, okay, who's next? And then I spent like two weeks, like reading all these messages from guys that were writing to me. It was almost like this media alert went out that I was separated (laughs) and like guys from high school and ex-boyfriends. And I remember like coming to a point where like, I could have had this guy come over because in the past I used sex as like a way to feel validated. And I was like, you know what? No, not doing it. Not doing it. Can't do it. I have a two-year-old in a crib in the next room. I will not be this girl. And so like literally just stopping myself from engaging in behaviors I would have engaged in prior to my first marriage was like a really tactical thing. Um, Understanding that I deserve, my daughter deserved better and that I deserve better. That wasn't something I ever held into, held any importance with. Like I didn't, I didn't feel deserving. And then all of a sudden I did. So I became really discerning who I spent my time with, who I was willing to date. Um, and so that was, that was one of it, but therapy was instrumental for me. And how was the dating process? Cause I definitely used sex as a way to validate myself and feel better and had fun. And, and many women do. And I write two chapters about sex after divorce in my new book, which happened to be my grandma's, my 92 year old grandma's favorite chapters. So I don't, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I think that sex does play an instrumental role in healing from your divorce in certain ways. But I'll tell you about my dating after divorce process. I finally got myself ready to go on a date. I was so excited. This guy was so hot. I met him at the doctor's office. Like he like looked me up and started writing to me on Instagram And the day we were set to get together, I had coffee with a friend and she was like, well, have you Googled him? I wrote about this in the book too. And I was like, no. And so like, I never thought to do that. And we did. And his wedding registry popped up and so did his baby registry. He had a baby the same week I met him. (gasps) And so there went my first date. Like I was like, okay, men are gross. He was married. He had a recent baby. So that didn't go anywhere. Then I went out with another guy that somebody set me up with and I thought he was super nice. Like there was not real chemistry, but it was a nice evening. I got home, I checked my phone and there were some really suggestive texts and nudity pictures from this man that I had just said goodnight to. And I was like, okay, no, I'm not doing this. This is not for me. Like I'm not ready. I can't go down this path. I'm a businesswoman and a mom. I don't have time for this shit. And then a couple of months later, I met my now husband. We bumped into each other a couple of times. He lived in my mom's apartment building complex. And uh, then we were both in the same edition of our town's newspaper. And he looked me up on LinkedIn and wrote me a message. And I kind of knew he was the one. And that was that. He slid into your DMs on LinkedIn. Which is so different from yeah. sliding into your DMs on Instagram. Like he he wrote me a message like, I, I've read your work. You're very impressive. And I was like, now that's how you court a lady. I don't need to see a picture of your man parts. I'm not interested in that right now. You know, he didn't send me that. Thank God. We did a special um Christmas and New Year episode and we had uh, Paul Roseby on um, who's currently dating post his divorce um, and he's gay so he's on all the gay kind of um, grinder and we have over here. Oh and, they and have fun on there. Dating side. Yeah and he was like Pete I didn't realize this because I've had dick pics in my life but he's got a lot of bum hole pics. Oh god. Like anal snap. Oh God. 
And I didn't, I've never received one of those. Have oh you my God. ever got an anal snap? I have not. And if I did, it would be forever burned into my memory. And yeah. I, that would be traumatic. I know like shop before you buy. I understand <laughs> that, you know, we like to see the merchandise, but I normally like to see the merchandise in clothes, actually. Yeah. Yes. And clothing. Yeah. Thank you. Very important. So, so then you met your now husband and, and you're happily remarried. How does that affect your divorced co-parenting scenario? How did you navigate the world of a new relationship with, you know, having your daughter and, and the relationship she has with your ex? My daughter is very lucky to have two men in her life who love and support her. She, you know, from day one, like when my current husband came into her life, like it was very clear. I, I made that introduction slowly and we ramped up to a stepfather, stepdaughter relationship. It wasn't like a one, two, three thing, because for me, it was important that she never felt like my husband was there to replace her dad. So there's, there's a lot of respect in that regard. And I know that it's the same for my current husband's ex-wife. Like it was very important for me because I had a stepmom at one point who didn't stay in her lane. It was important for me that she never felt like I was stepping on her toes or that her daughter ever felt like pressured to have some kind of relationship with me. So we both, we both took a very high level, like evolved approach into, into blending everybody. And how does it work practically? Like, do you have like a spreadsheet for childcare? Cause lots of people talk about spreadsheets and like color coding. <laughs> we have a calendar. You have a calendar. We have a calendar. And I actually, when my daughter was like three or four and starting to have a hard time understanding like what day it was and where she was going, we created a color coded calendar for her, but we followed the same structure and routine for the last five years. So you know, it's color coded in my mind and, you know, we're flexible on switching days. If we need to switch a day, um, a lot of t my, my daughter and her dad have season tickets to see the Miami soccer team in their season when they play. And a lot of those games fall on my time with her. So I'm like, please, of course, take her. That's important that you guys do that. And if I have something I want to take her to on his weekend, we switch, but those things don't come right off the bat, like that flexibility takes time to get to. So if you're a new co-parent and you hear this and you're like, yeah, no, that's not me. It wasn't me in the beginning either. We got to that place. And and so how did divorce coaching come into this whole experience and kind of writing the book and being a specialist? Haphazardly, I just like sort of fell into it. So I was already like, you know, had somewhat of a presence on Instagram when I was going through my divorce and I was writing for a, a number of publications on mommy issues. And then I started writing about co-parenting and single motherhood and women started following me in droves because they were like, nobody's talking about this stuff. Thank you. I'm also in my early thirties and I also have young kids and I'm going through a divorce. And I realized a lot of the content out there was for middle-aged or, you know, what we call gray divorces, women in their late forties, early fifties, going through divorce with older kids, but nobody was talking about what it's like to have a newborn or a toddler. And so that led me to building this online community through Instagram, which is fantastic. And then people started coming to me with really heavy questions I didn't know how to answer, like legal questions and mental health questions. And I wanted to be able to help them, but I didn't want to do it in a way that like, you know, was unresearched. So I started my podcast and started bringing on experts who could speak to those things and answer those things. People would reach out and say, I love your podcast. I'd love to work with you one-on-one. -on -one. Can I hire you? Can you help me? 
And I didn't even realize like that was a possibility. And so I took a number of certification programs. I got trained as a certified divorce specialist and then later on as a co-parenting specialist so that I could work with women. And then in my DMs, it would be like, where can I buy your book? And I didn't have a book. So I wrote a book and it came out published by Simon and Schuster um, about a month ago. And it's out there and women love it. Somebody re- left a review that it's the Bible for divorcing moms and it makes me so happy. Yeah. And you can find it on my website, momsmovingon.com. That, I love that that's, it's been like an organic process with your Instagram followers being like, where's your book? And then you're like, oh, right, I'll do that then. And they're like, can I hire you? And you're like, oh, yeah. okay, sure. No, that's exactly how it happened. It's like, <laughs> they asked, so I built it, you know? And, um, and now it's like, it's so great because so many of my clients that I've worked with a couple of years ago or who started following me a few years ago are now in this space where they're getting remarried. And now they're like, so is there going to be a book on blended families? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. One thing at a time. You're like, I've one thing just at a time. done this one. Give me a holiday. Because, well, we're, we're literally all going through this together. And that's what I think is so great. I get hundreds of DMs every day. Like, thank you. You're changing my life. I'm like, we're going through this together. Yeah. Like, I'm right there with you, baby girl, you know? Yeah. Well, I follow you on Instagram and I, and I love all your messages and I feel seen. Um, But also I love that you said you had a podcast and people contacted you about hiring you. I have a podcast and people contact me, but just say, thank you for making me laugh. (laughs) They're never like, well, can I hire you to work with in my life? So I feel like we've got different vibes, but I appreciate both of our vibes. But that's important too. That's really important too, to make light of the heaviness of divorce. That's, that's, an important role that you play. Yeah. And just open up about it. And then I can have lovely people like you on who've done all the research and, and I don't have to do it. And you can just tell me about it. I can exactly. learn. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to chat to you. Yes, it has. Do you have any final kind of words of wisdom if people are listening and they've really kind of related to your story and obviously they're going to buy your book and listen to the podcast, but any kind of if someone's in that kind of dark place where you feel like, God, am I going to get through this? What's, what's waiting for me at the other end? Do you have any words for them? Every night you're going to go to sleep feeling like you're going to die and you can't get through this. And every morning you're going to wake up and you realize it's a brand new day. And that's the feeling you have to harness. Like at those moments where it's the hardest and you feel like you can't get through, you will. And day by day, moment by moment, you're going to get stronger. And then you realize that divorce is just a part of your life, not your whole life. And you can rewrite your story. I love that. Thank you. And can you just remind us of the name of your podcast and the name of your book so we can find them? It's really hard. The podcast is Moms Moving On. The book is Moms Moving On. My website is momsmovingon.com. My Instagram is the Michelle Dempsey. Love that branding consistency. Look at that. Very nice. Well, thank you so much. It's been a joy. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please.
Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.